Hey guys, it's Tim and this is Pro Wrestling Unlimited as it is Monday, December 12th, 2022. And we're here with the wrestling wrap up. A handful of news brought to you in one easy to watch video. Let me change something. I'm changing the rundown of the stories really quick because something kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm just changing something up really quick as far as the rundown does go and how I'm going to talk about things. And I think we are now good. Yep, we are good to go. Again, this is the wrestling wrap-up. Today we've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine stories for you. We're going to talk about all the title changes that took place over the weekend. We're going to talk about ROH Weekly Television. Brock Lesnar's possible WrestleMania opponent. Possible character change for Asuka, William Regal's new role in WWE, and so much more. Remember, you can watch this a couple of different ways. You can either watch live, twitch.tv forward slash PWUnlimited, or watch or listen later, whether that's youtube.com forward slash Pro Wrestling Unlimited, or podcast services all around the globe like Stitcher, Spotify, Google Pod, Apple Pod, Anchor, iHeartRadio, and so much more. Remember, if you are watching live, you can help us out a couple of different ways. You can either help us out by hitting that donate button down below or by donating Twitch bits in the live chat. Also, remember, you can help us out by subscribing to the channel one of two different ways. You can either subscribe with a tiered subscription or you can subscribe with Amazon Prime. Because remember, if you either have Amazon Prime or access to somebody's Amazon Prime, then you have Prime Gaming. Prime Gaming gives you a lot of cool things like free games, free stuff for games, and they always give you one free subscription to any Twitch channel you want to subscribe to throughout the month, then I greatly appreciate it if you did right here. Pro Wrestling Unlimited. Also remember on the flip side, if you're watching on YouTube, you can help us out over there by becoming a channel member. As a channel member, you get early access to news, early access to podcast episodes, early access to non-news videos, and so much more. Plus, you can get all of that by heading over to patreon.com forward slash PWUnlimited. Finally, head over to the Epic Game Store. Head over to the Epic Game Store and buy something. Whether you're buying a new game, whether you're buying an old game, whether you're buying a free game or not buying but claiming the free games or getting bucks for Rocket League, Fortnite, Fall Guys, or Rumbleverse, use our code right here, PWUnlimited at checkout, and you will get, well, nothing in return, but you'll support us at no extra cost. It doesn't give you anything, but if you take the 20 seconds to type it in, then you help us out and I really highly do appreciate that. I mean, have you played the Game Awards Game of the Year Elden Ring yet? No? Well, use this code PWUNLIMITED at checkout when purchasing that game to finally play it. You'll be supporting us again. No extra cost. But with that, we've got a bunch of stuff to talk about. So let's kick it off with everything that went down this weekend as far as A title changes and big title matches being set up. We're gonna start with NXT. NXT this weekend had Deadline. NXT Deadline took place on Saturday. And we learned a couple of things. First off, our new tag team champions. The New Day. Yes, I said the New Day. Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods defeated Pretty Deadly to become the new NXT tag team champions. Now, in a media call earlier in the week, Shawn Michaels did tease this, stating that he's trying to get New Day to commit to NXT Long-term, as far as, and not long, long-term, I don't think, we don't know, but long-term as far as more than just one match, more than just deadline. And so if putting the titles on them means they're here long-term, 
awesome. This now also makes the New Day the, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, second ever Triple Crown Tag Team Champions in WWE. What does Triple Crown mean? It means you've won NXT, Raw, and SmackDown Tag Team titles. Or NXT Tag Team titles, and then in the past, the WWE and the World Championships. The World Tag Team Championships. You got, you, you won titles that are exclusive to Raw. You won titles that are exclusive to SmackDown. You won tag titles that are exclusive to NXT. That's a Triple Crown champion. And I think the Revival are the only ones to have that. Well, mm, 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 nope, nope, nope. Now that I think about it, New Day might be the third Triple Crown champions. Street Profits. Street Profits were NXT Tag Team Champions, right? Right now. I think Street Profits were NXT Tag Team Champions. I'm 99% sure. Um... two seconds or if someone wants to correct me in the chat street profits nxt tag team champions yes street profits were the nxt tag team champions so actually new day would be i want to say the um third triple crown champions let me pop my fan on for some reason my fan shut itself off it's hot in here there we go all right so, New Day are the third Triple Crown champions. But speaking of champions and stuff, well, we know who will be the next challenger to Mandy Rose and the next challenger for Braun Breaker. So coming out of the show, the show opened up, deadline that is, with the Women's Iron Survivor match, and we saw Roxanne Perez win that match, the first ever Iron Survivor. Then we saw the Men's Iron Survivor match where Grayson Waller actually won that match at the end of the show. The main event was Braun Breaker defending the NXT Championship against Apollo Crews. Braun Breaker would successfully defend and then get laid out by Grayson Waller, who held the belt up and basically said, this is my house now. Those matches, Roxanne Perez challenging Mandy Rose and Grayson Waller challenging Braun Breaker will be happening on January, I want to say the 11th. Let me double check the date. 10th, January 10th. It's a Tuesday, New Year's Evil. NXT New Year's Eve will take place January 10th. Those two title matches have been announced for the show. Nothing else has been announced for New Year's Eve yet. And I got something in my eye. Nothing else has been announced for New Year's Eve yet. But those two matches have coming out of deadline. So first ever Iron Survivor matches. Roxanne Perez, Grayson Waller picking up the wins. And those are fun matches. I didn't, and I'm going to be completely honest with you guys. Didn't watch most of these shows. Had a lot of family stuff going on over the weekend and whatnot. Very busy. But I did see spurts of different things from each show. I did watch the full women's Iron Survivor match and the New Day tag title win. Other than that, I just saw clips and spurts of other things from both the Deadline show and what we're about to talk about now, ROH Final Battle. So ROH Final Battle saw one, two, three, four, five titles change hands. Basically, the only champion to retain a final battle was Samoa Joe, the television champion where he successfully defended against Juice Robinson. But we first saw the six-man tag team titles change hands as the Embassy defeated Dalton Castle and the boys to become the new champions. We also saw a new uh, ROH Women's Champion as Athena defeated Mercedes Martinez. There's a new Pure Champion as once again, like, what the flippy floppy? What the flippy floppy of this belt? It's freaking... Wheeler Yuta taking the belt from Daniel Garcia. It's like Yuta had the belt, then Garcia had the belt, then Wheeler had the belt. Then... What is with the flippy floppy? Come on. And you can't book anybody else? 
for the pure title, Tony Khan. Just like the tag titles. What the flippy floppy? Not as bad a flippy floppy, but it's like these are the only people you can book for this belt. The ROH tag titles. The Briscoes won the dog collar match. They defeated FDR for the titles. It's like, come on. FDR couldn't defend against somebody else. Oh, but Tony Khan wanted a, a trilogy, saying this is one of the best trilogies in wrestling in a long time. Yeah, there are three good matches. I haven't seen the full dog collar match. I saw maybe half the match, if not a little less than half, because I don't know exactly where the halfway point of the match is. I'm not seeing the whole match and not knowing how one blah, blah, blah. Anyways, anyways, it's like, come on. You can have somebody else challenge for the pure title. You can have somebody else challenge for the goddamn tag titles or, or I don't know. Come on. And Claudio's the new world champion with a very clever finish that I need to bring up a tweet about because Chris Jericho kind of put somebody in their place and I need to find this tweet really fast. Let's go. Chris Jericho. Jericho. Here we go. Chris Jericho. Pull this tweet up on the screen. So, final battle saw Chris Jericho tap out, but not in a submission or anything, to the giant swing. And I'm going to pause this video playing here because it's probably going to get me in trouble. But, switch over here. First off, this fan here, and I got to pause the video. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay, this fan here tweeted, because so basically... Claudio is doing, so basically Claudio's doing the swing and the swing and the swing. And I don't know how many revolutions he gets, but it's probably like more than 20. And all of a sudden Jericho starts smacking the mat, tapping out, giving up. So we go back to this tweet. It says, dumb finish. Why would you tap to that? Want to be creative? But it's not for me. Then we had... Other people, you know, chime in going like this one says the spin basically causes your body to stretch out. It really hurts the knees, hips, back, especially. Versus says if Chris comes out and says something to that degree as to why, as to why, I'll take it. Well, he did. Well, he did. Chris Jericho responded on Twitter stating, hey, fuckface, ever experienced this move? It's barbaric. I tapped out. You would have shit your pants. And cried for your mommy. So there we go. Jericho over here basically saying why he tapped out. Well, confirming, you know, it's it's a barbaric move. Not only does it look barbaric to do, Claudio over here swinging him, and according to Magma Lord, over 30 times. But, like, just the way he's getting dizzy. His body's being stretched out, and it's just... It, it's a wild move to do, to see, to have happen to you. And Jericho tapped out. We've never seen anybody tap out to the giant swing before that I know of. I think it was a creative finish. I mean, at first glance, you may go, well, that was kind of dumb. But then when you think about it, which I guess a finish shouldn't be one where you have to think about it. Regardless, I thought it was a good finish. It was different. And so, yeah, the swing is now, as uh, Saturday says, the swing is a submission move now. Yes and no. Because technically, you can tap out from any move. You can literally tap out from any move. I mean, <clears throat> I forget who it was. But I remember back in the day, or maybe it was even sometime recent. Someone was getting powerbombed and powerbombed and powerbombed and powerbombed. It wasn't Wardlow and the Powerbomb Symphony. But there was somebody that kept getting powerbombed over powerbomb over powerbomb. And eventually tapped to powerbombs. It was like, that's no, I, I can't take another powerbomb. I'm done. I give up. So... 
I know they've done that before in wrestling. I don't remember if that was WWE, AEW, somewhere else or whatnot, but I remember seeing that at one point where someone took like three, four, five power bombs and eventually like literally said, I'm done. I give up or tapped or whatever, but it was, I've seen before. Now I want to, ah, I want to find it. Power bomb submission. Maybe Uh, tap out to four bomb. Oh, might've been NXT. Um, No, that's not it. But I remember I've seen before. Somebody tapped out to power bombs, basically. Where they were like, yeah, uh, I can't take another power bomb. This hurts too much. I'm done. But now I can't find what that one may have been. It may have been a WWE thing, but I can't fully, I can't find it. Anyways, Claudio Castagnoli is the new ROH world champion. And speaking of ROH, we got some news on the ROH television show. As far as the weekly TV does go, as Tony Khan did reveal in the post-show scrum that he is relaunching Honor Club $9.99 a month. And that is how you will be able to watch Ring of Honor. Now, my first thought process here is, oof, does that mean he failed? F-A-I-L-E-D. Failed to get a TV deal. We don't know who he talked to, who he didn't talk to. Whether he only talked to TV networks, whether he talked to a streaming service or anything. But from the outside looking in, and this is not the right thing to do. You should never assume. It almost comes off as he failed to acquire a TV deal for Ring of Honor. But Tony Khan did announce that Honor Club will be coming back soon. And that on Honor Club, we will be getting a weekly Ring of Honor television show. No other details were given, though, as far as how often they're going to film, if they're going to film every week or they're going to film in bunches. Where will the Ring of Honor weekly show be filmed? When are they going to start actually filming the weekly show? And what's the weekly show going to look like? Is it just going to be like filmed before Dynamite on Wednesdays and then just have the same set and look? I don't like that. I need ROH to have its own feel. If you want to get it away from AEW, if you want to say, no, ROH is its own thing. Yes, for 2022, it was integrated into AEW, but it's not anymore. And you you got to do something different. Even if you pull a WWE ECW move where they filmed ECW before SmackDown on Tuesdays, but they put like a big-ass black backdrop over the SmackDown stage and just had the little small you know, ECW stage in front of it to say, this is a different show. It looks different. It's just not a show filmed before SmackDown. I think they would need to do something like that. Cover up, and all you need is big black ass curtains. Cover up the dynamite stage and then put something in front of that, whether it's just a little entrance uh, tunnel Maybe it's a screen or something. Just give us something that signifies this is not a show just filmed before Dynamite. This is its own thing. This is something we're taking very serious as its own entity. And so then the other question arises. How many people are really going to sign up for Honor Club just to watch the weekly show? How many? I don't see this being that big of a thing, especially knowing that, you know, Tony Khan hasn't 
quite booked ROH that great in 2022. Granted, he was doing it in conjunction with AEW, so it was getting overshadowed by the AEW stuff. But then there's the other question. This year, ROH did the best they've ever done on pay-per-view. Why? Because they were integrated with AEW. So does that mean once they're their own thing, no longer on AEW television, is that going to hurt the pay-per-view numbers? Is that going to hurt the buy rate? I mean, I feel already having an on Bleacher Report could have hurt a little. What it? That, no, I'm wrong there because it's, they still did better than they ever have, and they've been on Bleacher Report the last two shows. Anyways, 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 anyways. Could them having their own weekly show and not being on AEW hurt the pay-per-view business for Ring of Honor as far as what Tony Khan is now expecting? I don't remember. Let's see. Death Before Dishonor was the last one, right? ROH, Death Before Dishonor 2022, buy rate. So the rumor was that, let's see here. According to Dave Meltzer in the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, it looks like Death of Fortis Center did 36,100 buys, consisting of 27,000 digital and 9,100 from television. The first show did 15,500 and 3,700, respectively. So numbers were nearly double. So that's talking about from the show before WrestleMania, as far as, what was that? Oh, Supercard of Honor, I believe. In comparison to this show, Death Before Dishonor, in July, going from April, or end of March to July, doubled because they were on AEW television. That show was promoted on AEW television. Now, we don't have the numbers for Final Battle yet, but if they're up, cool, good, congratulations. But is that because the buzz of Tony Khan owning it, the buzz of the actual card, or is that, oh, hey, I've seen this stuff built up on AEW television every week, whether that's Rampage or Dynamite, I'll buy the pay-per-view. Once it's no longer on Rampage or Dynamite, is that going to hurt the buys? Is it going to go back down? That's a big thing that we need to consider as far as, okay, maybe then ROH Weekly Show is his own thing, but a week or two before the pay-per-view, Give us some AEW integration as far as doing things on Dynamite or on Rampage. Just to try and see if that helps or not. And maybe the first one, they don't do any of that just to gauge where they're at. And then if that isn't as successful on its own, you go and you, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Put it back with AEW. Also, a Wrestling History says, hey, Tim, can you show the picture of the ECW stage that you mentioned? Yeah, give me one second. See if I can find this. Uh, ECW WWE stage. See if I can find this. Because, again, when they first started doing it, I mean, eventually they did just use the big WWE screen, I believe, when SmackDown didn't have its own distinctive, you know, two-screen fist thing. But let's see if I can find an image of that really fast. Um... Let's see, let's see. Uh, this might be it. No, it's too small of a picture. You guys can't really see anything off of that one. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe. Let me see if I open it big. And never mind, that's for 2K. Um, I don't know if I can find it now. Uh, oh, wait, this might be it. ECW 
Okay, hold on. I'm going to have to pull up this video really fast. I think I might have found it. Okay, here we go. So. Basically, this is what we had. Why won't it pause for me? And then it paused when I didn't want it to pause. What the heck? Um, nope, 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 nope. What the heck? Is this daily motion? Yeah, this is daily motion. That's why it's running all weird. Here we go. Here we go. Okay, cool. This works. This works. So, we had the big old SmackDown stage and everything. But what they would do is they would cover that. And let me pull this up on the screen. They would cover that big stage and just have this. It's an entranceway. And sorry for podcast listeners not watching the video. They would have a screen right here on top and this entrance tunnel. That was it. Placed in front of the big SmackDown stage with a black curtain behind this to cover the SmackDown stage. That's all it was. They had the screen up here and the entrance tunnel here. And that way... It was distinctive and just didn't like, oh, they filmed that before SmackDown, which everybody knew it was filmed before SmackDown, but they didn't give off the look of, oh, they couldn't even give it its own feel or vibe or anything. And that's why I like when WWE or AEW films dark from Orlando, Universal Studios, because it's got a different stage. It's not just, oh, they filmed it before Dynamite or Rampage. It looks all the same. At least when they film from Universal Studios, it's in a different building. The stage is different. It's got its own feel. But that's what WWE did in the early days of ECW. Eventually, when they went, quote, HD and just had the one big screen and then had, like, the other screen kind of atop here. And then the, the – they eventually went to this one. I could pull this image up as well. Uh, they eventually went to this with ECW. It's going to be very blurry, but – they eventually went to this with ECW. Actually, eventually went to this with everything. And this was just the plain WWE set. They would just switch out the graphics for Raw, SmackDown, or ECW. But when ECW first started, when they were airing it on Sci-Fi and all that, they did have its own distinct look as far as the stage does go with, again, I'm repeating myself, covering the SmackDown stage and putting up that entrance tunnel with the um, screen above it. But, I mean, not much more to say about this ROH stuff. It's other than, cool, it's going to have its own weekly show, but you got to pay to watch it. $10.99 or $9.99 a month on Honor Club? Who's really going to pay for that, though? And then the other question is like, okay, Claudio's the world champion. Wheeler Yuta's the pure champion, but they're BCC. How often are they going to be in AEW? Are they going to have those belts with them? Are they going to be, of course, referenced as ROH world champion, pure champion, and all that? But does that mean now Moxley's Danielson's going to go to ROH at times because they're BCC, BCC with BCC? I, there's still way more questions to be answered than were answered at the at the press scrum, I guess you call it, the media scrum. So we still just got to sit and wait and see exactly what Tony Khan is doing with this. All we know is weekly show is coming, but no more details can be given until after the Tokyo Dome on January 4th. Because apparently, New Japan is going to be heavily involved in whatever this new weekly show is. Which then leads me to believe that maybe they film it in conjunction with New Japan Strong. 
Maybe they film it at the LA Dojo where they film strong. That's the only thing I can think of of why. Here's the thing. Here's the thing I just thought of off the top of my head. So last year, or before the pandemic actually started, Ring of No, New Japan touted we're coming to the States. New Japan of America. We're going to have a weekly show. And we're going to have this and that. And there's going to be a touring brand that's exclusive to New Japan of America. And then we ended up getting New Japan Strong. So what if this weekly Ring of Honor show is a mix of Ring of Honor and whatever this New Japan of America brand was supposed to be kind of ingrained into one. And that gets announced during the Tokyo Dome show on January 4th. Just a thought. Just a thought. Just a thought. But speaking of Ring of Honor, one former Ring of Honor world champion wrestled their final match possibly ever this weekend for WWE as the former James Gibson, you may know him as Jamie Noble, worked a show this past weekend. Jamie Noble wrestled his final match in an eight-man tag team match over the weekend at a WWE live event where he actually got to pick up the victory, pinning Sami Zayn. WWE producer James Gibson, known as Jamie Noble, returned to the ring on Sunday night for one final match. At a WWE house show in his home state of West Virginia, Noble teamed with Braun Strowman, Ridge Holland, and Butch to defeat the Bloodlines, the Usos, Solo Sokoa, and Sami Zayn. Noble did pick up the victory by pinning Zayn himself. So this is really cool to see. Sami Zayn even commented about this afterwards, stating, quote, An emotional night. I'm humbled and honored to have the privilege of sharing the ring with Jamie Noble tonight for his final match. Very few actually know how much Jamie has contributed to this industry. One of the great minds for the business and an unsung hero at WWE. Grateful. Jamie Noble is considered probably one of the top producers in WWE. He's always involved in all the biggest matches the company does as far as helping put the matches together. He's a former ROH World Champion. He's a former WWE Cruiserweight Champion. I mean, back in the day, Jamie Noble. When Jamie Noble and Nidia were doing their thing with the Cruiserweight title, it was one of my favorite things in WWE. When he's out there, come on, Nidia, let's go, baby. Ooh, and then they got the money from his uncle, and then they were rich, and Nidia's got the coat and everything. It's it, it, freaking amazing. I loved Jamie Noble back in the day on SmackDown when he was Cruiserweight Champion and all. And, and he's running in ROH. He was an ROH World Champion at one point, early in the ROH days, but still, he was a former ROH World Champion. Not a lot of guys can say that. So, congratulations to Jamie Noble. He got to go out there and have one final match over the weekend with his family in attendance, which is awesome as well. He walked out uh, draped in an American flag before giving it to somebody in the in the like along the entrance ramp. I don't know who the person was that he gave the flag to, but very cool, very very cool indeed. But going from a cruiserweight, a former cruiserweight champion, we now got to talk about a former WWE heavyweight champion in Brock Lesnar and his potential WrestleMania matchup, according. To a new report from WrestlingNews.co, they do state that right now, Brock Lesnar is penciled in to be facing Gunter next year at WrestleMania in April. The report states that the match is listed internally for the show, which is a good sign. Gunther also recently mentioned wanting to face Brock Lesnar, stating that it would be his biggest possible challenge yet. Now, with nothing 100% for WrestleMania yet, 
You could say, oh, I think this with a little grain of salt. They may be talking about it, but nah, 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 nah. yet. Okay, cool. You may just be like, eh, I'll see when it gets announced. But for the report to state that this match is being, or this match is listed internally for WrestleMania, is better to hear than it's been pitched or the idea has been talked about. If this is penciled in on a preliminary card or something, that's good to hear. And I would love, love, love to see Brock Lesnar against Gunter. How awesome would that match be? Brock over there facing somebody his own size, as big as him, maybe Gunter even taller. Let's see, how tall is Gunter? 6'4". Gunter 6'4". What's Brock? 6'1", 6'2". Brock Lesnar. Brock Lesnar is 6'3". So they're almost there. Gunter just a tiny bit bigger. Just a tiny bit bigger than Brock. But I think this match would be awesome. I don't know if it would end up being for the Intercontinental Championship or if Gunter loses that title. Maybe he loses it this week to Ricochet. I don't know. It's a lot of time for him to lose it and get it back and lose it again or whatever. But that's a very intriguing match to me for sure. Brock Lesnar versus Gunter. Sin Saturday says, but now what does this mean for Gunter and the IC title? It can mean a, a number of different things. Maybe he drops it to Ricochet this week. Maybe he defends it successfully against Ricochet, holds it all the way to WrestleMania, and defends it against Brock at WrestleMania. Maybe he loses it in Elimination Chamber. Maybe he loses it. In the next Saudi show before WrestleMania, there's a lot of things that can happen in the next four months. Yes, he's the Intercontinental Champion now, but that doesn't mean he's still going to be Gunther, that is, Intercontinental Champion in April. It's still mid-December. So, not much more on that story as far as Brock Lesnar goes, but very, very interesting one. Brock Lesnar is somebody that's been basically the same his whole time in WWE. He's changed his character up ever so slightly, basically dropping Paul Heyman and becoming a little more funny at times. And somebody else that's never really changed their gimmick in WWE is Asuka. Asuka has always basically been the same character in WWE. The babyface badass who can beat people up, but sometimes likes to throw a joke in or two here and there. Ever since last week's Monday Night Raw, Asuka has been teasing a character change that to me is very interesting. And we're going to go through her Twitter to actually see what this character change might actually be consisting of. Let me pull this up right here on the screen. Let me get to, because we're going to be reading quite a few tweets here. Actually, let me pull up on this screen. So, we all know that Asuka was the one that got pinned last week in the triple threat match with Bailey and Rhea Ripley. And then Rhea Ripley beat her ass afterwards. So ever since then, Asuka started tweeting. So she sent out this tweet here. Let me pause that. And, and you know, the tweet here from WWE says, it's Asuka, Bailey, Rhea Ripley in a huge triple threat match on Raw. Asuka would then respond with, I think everyone should choose someone other than me. She would then tweet, I don't want respect. I have never wanted to be respected. I don't care about that. I'm going to listen to the new Metallica song and go to bed. She would then respond, Two of them except me. You don't need me for this choice. I'm going to listen to Megadeth and go to bed. She then started posting photos of her from back in the day when she was known as Kana with face paint and shorter hair. We see all these different photos on her timeline. 
She's even posted this video of her putting her makeup on, which we're not going to show, and all these other different things. Then she even, this one's an interesting one, where it says Asuka's Momentous Victories WWE Playlist, and she says goodbye. And then get this uh, gif of her opening a sword. There's a spider gif. I'm not sure exactly what that's meaning. Then there's this graphic here. There's another image here of her shooting or spitting out blood, basically. And a few more of her looking like the Kana character. Now, I don't know exactly what all this means, but are we finally going to get a character change for Asuka in WWE? Could she finally be going baby or heel? I would love to see a heel Asuka in WWE, where she can still somewhat be like she was as far as the nobody's ready for Asuka kind of thing, and badass that can't get beat, do it as a heel, where yes, Asuka would beat people's ass, but then show them respect afterwards, and be like, hey, great match, we had a great match, now it's, I beat your ass, and I'm gonna keep beating your ass even though the match is over, and I don't care about you or nobody else. I would love to see that type of an Asuka in WWE, but she is teasing something. I don't think her contract is up. I don't think she's leaving the company, but that one tweet especially that said Asuka's momentous victories and then she put goodbye was a very, very interesting one of what's going on. Uh, Magmalord says, wasn't she heel with the Kabuki Warriors? Yes and no, but at the same time, she was still the same Asuka. Nothing changed character-wise. If she's going to turn heel now and be more like the Kana character, that's an even more vicious, badass, ruthless, I-don't-care-about-anybody Asuka we've ever seen in WWE. Because the Asuka we've seen in WWE was always like, I'm going to beat your ass, but then I'm also going to say thanks for having the match with me afterwards. This Asuka could be, I'm going to beat your ass, and then the match is over, but I might still just beat your ass afterwards for fun, even though the match is, you know, kind of a thing. So yes, in the Kabuki Warriors, there was one point where, and I wouldn't even call that full heel. That would like be a tweener where she does heel things at times, but it's still mostly considered babyface. In keeping with the WWE women's roster, there was an injury angle last week on SmackDown that I'm still not convinced if this is a real injury or if this is just a storyline injury, but we saw last week on SmackDown, it was supposed to be Shayna Baszler against, um, give me one second to pull this tweet up. It was supposed to be Shayna Baszler <clears throat> against Shotzi on SmackDown. Then, in the middle of the day, so early on Friday, and we talked about this on Friday's Wrestling Wrap-Up, early on Friday, the match was in, advertised on WWE.com. Then around noon, the match got pulled. Then during SmackDown, we see Kathy Kelly interviewing Legado Del Fantasma, and we hear a, and then Kathy Kelly goes, um, uh, cameras, follow that. Go, go see what that is. And you have Rhonda and Shayna going, ha, looks like you can't fight now or something like that. And we're supposed to think that Shotzi's hand was slammed in a car door. Shotzi would then send out this tweet stating that she's got a broken hand and she can't be in the ring for at least six weeks, as Shotzi stated. Six weeks at Shayna Baszler, at Rhonda Rousey. And then... She shows this right here. Basically, and I think it was in an Instagram post. She elaborated more, saying that it's the pinky that's actually broken and that the bone actually shifted because of the break and this and that. Now, here's my question. Is this legit? I don't know. I've asked and didn't get an answer. I've asked around. It was like, 
Is Shotzi really hurt? Or is this all storyline? They've hurt Raquel. Now they've hurt her. Raquel's injury, storyline. Shotzi's, I'm still not quite sure. But Shotzi is stating that she's out for six weeks. And we'll see exactly what happens once she does come back. Whether she just continues her stuff with Shayna Baszler or Ronda Rousey. Or if they go from there. Alright, Bubba says, what is Kabuki Warriors? You really don't know, bud? Kabuki Warriors was the tag team name for Asuka and Kairi Sane. Exactly what Kabuki Warriors were. Now, in talking about women in WWE, Kathy Kelly actually had some interesting comments recently about coming back to WWE and the different roles she was actually offered. So Kathy Kelly was recently speaking with the Big Thing podcast, talking about her time away from WWE and mentioned some movie scripts she wrote and staying in contact with WWE and Stephanie McMahon reaching out for her to come back, stating, quote, I always stayed in touch with Stephanie and Hunter. They knew all the projects I was working on, and they made it very clear that the door was always open. <clears throat> then it just kind of happened. I sent him Triple H a birthday text, and that's kind of what snowballed everything for me coming back. It turned from a text into a Zoom call with Stephanie, and the conversation kept going. It was the right time and right opportunity. Working for them was very appealing. They're both the uh, epitome of what great leadership looks like. To get to work for them is great. Hunter just cultivates such a fun environment where it's really enjoyable to be backstage and do your job. Uh, Kelly is now a backstage interviewer, but states that there was more actually offered. So that was the offer. When I talked to Stephanie, she knew some of the other ventures I was working on. And she said, do you want to come back as a writer? Do you want to come back as a liaison to WWE community and do a lot of events? She also offered me training to do commentary, which I love that she believes in me for that. One of my goals was to always be either raw or SmackDown, on Raw or SmackDown, as a backstage interviewer. But the offer, when the offer came through, that was something I was really excited about. Because if you remember, her time in WWE was mostly all spent in NXT before. She would continue by stating, they had mentioned things in the past of me going back, and I think it was finally I was finally ready to do it. So, it was the right time, and I definitely jumped at the opportunity. Michael Cole was joking, quote, why am I the last one to know? He gave the offer, and I'm like, I'm in. So that's awesome that they wanted Kathy Kelly for a number of different roles. They even wanted to maybe put her on commentary. But as right now, she's just the backstage interviewer, I think mostly for Raw, but sometimes on SmackDown when they need her. And we've always known that Triple H and Stephanie McMahon have loved her. Loved, loved, loved her. They've always talked glowingly about Kathy Kelly and all the stuff she ever did back in the day in NXT. And so them wanting her back was a no Freaking brainer, not a shock at all. But speaking of NXT, you know, Kathy Kelly spent her first stint in WWE and NXT. Well, there's some news on some possible NXT call-ups in the works. According to Fightful, they report that there have, quote, been pitches for numerous talent to be called to the WWE main roster. The report states that a number of NXT talent have worked dark matches or on WWE main event to evaluate their potential outside of the WWE Performance Center. Among those listed on, by Fightful, one is Cameron Grimes. They quote, with several WWE staff considering him 
to be a, quote, natural fit, given that he's worked on Impact and the WWE NXT television consistently for five years and has a, quote, great familiarity with producer Shane Helms. Another name that was presented was Von Wagner, with Fightful highlighting that he had been, quote, pitched for a possible call-up in the past. WWE staff have also had the opportunity to see Von Wagner perform regularly on WWE main event. Von Wagner had reportedly been slated for the main roster as early as last year, but nothing ever came to fruition from that. Fightful also states that according to their sources, there will be more slow and steady flow of talent coming from NXT to the main roster with fewer year-long evaluation periods. So it's interesting to see that those are two of the names that are being evaluated. I was actually told, and I can report this, this morning that Indy Hartwell is another name that is being heavily, heavily, heavily looked at for the main roster. And I mean, why not? Candice has taken on damage control. She needs a buddy if she ain't associated with Bianca and her people. So Indy with Candice as early as tonight? We'll have to wait and see. Finally, Oh, Will. William Regal coming back to WWE. We have the news here from PW Insider kind of on exactly what is going on with the old villain. I guess you can call him. What what was his nickname? The villainous William Regal? No, not the villainous. The gentleman William Regal. I don't even remember anymore. But William Regal has agreed to terms on a new deal with WWE, according to Mike Johnson over at PW Insider. Johnson states that Regal will start with the company in the first week of January under some sort of a vice president role. It is unclear exactly what he is the vice president of in WWE, but Regal has been given a vice president title for the role that he is returning to in WWE. Now, this is something that we've been hearing about for a long time. As far as the last month or two does go, Tony Khan did confirm that he is letting William Regal out of his deal, but that William Regal is not allowed on television. We don't know exactly how long Regal's not allowed on television, whether that's a month, six months, a year, two years, uncertain. But for right now, Regal can have a backstage role in WWE, but cannot appear on television. So very cool that Regal's coming back. He'll be back with the company in early January, first week of January, according to Mike Johnson of PW Insider. And there we go. But with that, guys, I think that's really all we've got for today's wrestling wrap-up. Tonight is Monday Night Raw because, well, it is Monday. Three matches have been announced for the show, but I need to check something because WWE's homepage showed the three matches announced for the show. But then when you, okay, it's back up. Because earlier when you tried to click into the preview, the preview was down. So let's pull up the SmackDown or the Raw preview and show you guys what we're going to be talking about tonight among other things. But first off, we do know that Candice LeRae will be going one-on-one with Io Sky. Also, in a number one contenders match, it's Alexa Bliss against Bayley with the winner, earning a championship match against Bianca Belair. And finally, we got another number one contenders match. Look at that hair. Look at that hair on Seth. It's Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley. The winner of this match will earn themselves a WWE United States Championship match against the one and only Austin Theory. With that, these three matches are the only three matches that have so far been announced for tonight's Monday Night Raw that we will be back here live on Twitch, then later on YouTube with the replay, reviewing two 
night. So with that, guys, that's all I got for you. Wrestling wrap-up. We've wrapped it up. Have a great rest of your Monday. Have a great rest of your week. I'll see you guys next time. Have a good one, guys.